G'day film fans, I'm Dave. And I'm John, and Jeff is gone. And welcome back to the love of cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right, and to keep us honest, we've made this a drinking game. Ooh. Oh, I, I, I even waited for it, it just didn't happen. If oh, we say on. anything, the rules are, if we say anything negative or stupid about a film or anything else, you're going to hear this sound. And that yes. means we're drinking. So That's right. Pour yourselves a glass, cover yourselves in glitter, and let's <laughs> uh, delve into some king of rock and roll stuff. Fuck yeah. This week we are talking about Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. That's right. You, uh, you may have seen the trailer. I feel like that has gotten really good coverage all over the... I don't watch TV anymore, but it's been in front of every movie I've seen for the past <laughs> yeah, right? several months. Uh, I've been excited to see this. Um, we will we will talk more kinda, about it. I kind of uh, wasn't excited to see this. Okay, well, Dave, Dave, Dave was not excited. I'm excited to hear hmm. your thoughts then, because I'm a big, big, big Baz Luhrmann fan. Um, I'm a big Baz Luhrmann fan. I have a misconnection with Baz Luhrmann. Um, I was actually at Gold Coast Airport one day and I was sitting there talking to a guy I mentioned I was in film and yeah, we chatted away, chatted away and he's, then he's like, oh, I've got to go. My friends are catching the plane and fucking Baz Luhrmann walks through the airport. I was talking to one of his crew. So like, cool. Yeah. Swing and a miss. Well, we will, we will definitely, <laughs> you will hear me praising, praising that man and his team quite a bit throughout this episode. But uh, before we get there, just to give the usual shout outs, Carlos Barozzo yes. is our beer sponsor. You can find his handle on Instagram in our show notes at cbarozzobar.beer, C-B-A-R-R-O-Z-O.B-E-E-R. And the music on every episode is provided by the artist Dasein. Follow the show notes to the links uh, for the Bandcamp. Uh, link and hopefully coming soon some spotify and other links as well all that music is available for free so jump on it support dasein uh all right so uh, just to give us the the little blurb here before we jump 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 in in case you don't understand that what this movie is called of max headroom just then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah all right so here we go this is a biopic of elvis motherfucking presley so I'm not reading a blurb. Nope. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what this fucking movie's about. The only <laughs> twist that uh, you get very, very clearly from the trailers and the movie makes it, perhaps to his own detriment, overtly clear, is that this story is told not from a God perspective, the way some biopics are told, from like the objective observer. This is told from the observations of his manager, the Colonel Tom Parker, who is played by Tom Hanks. A uh, infamous, notorious manager of Elvis Presley from the beginning, and it's kind of told from his perspective. It's almost his story, if you will. Uh, we will discuss whether or not that helped it work. So um, mm -hmm. let's let's fucking go for it. I saw this. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I really really regret. This is not showing in many large format uh, theaters here in Los Angeles. Oh, no. So I thought, all right, whatever. I'll just go see it in a regular one. And I wish I hadn't. I, I think this movie. His sound design is always fun, but I th what they probably did with Atmos is probably incredible, and I wish I would have seen it with a better sound presentation. It was a little quiet, and just the stereo perspective was 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 quite boring because I could tell with all the panning that they probably were doing some really really juicy fun things with the uh, sonic experience, and this was all about the sonic experience. Um, I'm going to talk more about that, but Dave, what do you think, man? I, I mean, I famously said to my wife just before I left to go see this, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't think Bass's unique style would apply to a biopic. And as you said, this is not a biopic. This is a, a fucking supervillain narrative, basically. <laughs> and he, like the, the second, like the Baz Luhrmann logo came up and it's just fucking glitter and stuff <laughs> everywhere. And I was just like, all right. And then it launches into the beginning of this film. I don't think I breathed for the next 30 minutes. Oh yeah. It man. was just perfectly edited. I mean, like, unbelievable. Amazingly edited. It's, and it's like, um, if anyone's ever seen Billy Connolly live, uh, the man goes off on tangents and he, he famously said that like, sometimes he gets caught out on TV cause he goes off on tangents and he doesn't come back. And like the credits are rolling and he's only halfway through his comedy routine. But this went off on tangents, but every time it did, there was a, like, a graphic hidden in the image that you were transitioning to somewhere to tell you exactly what time and places was happening. 
this was Baz at his best. I mean, this it really, is, he is, he is a capital G. I think we might be ready to call him that. Like, oh, when this somebody, was absolutely a masterwork. Yeah, I mean, he is a genius, dude. I, and I also, I I did see it in Dolby Atmos. Yeah. Fuck me. God damn it! You're Good not for kidding. you, man. Good yeah. for you, dude. I feel like I an was asshole. half the half the film. You were at a concert, like. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. And just the the sound design, the way they were using these little tidbits of, you know, he was doing a lot with like cross, the keys were crossing, turning some things major yeah. and minor, which would you would expect, but the way Sometimes that some like background effects, like what would be in the the backgrounds of sound design, yeah, were tiny little inklings of the beginning of a song that might happen ten minutes from now or this is in the past, and so yeah, let's give it up really quickly to uh, Jonathan Redmond and Matt Villa via Villa. They worked with him. Uh, they've each worked with him before, I think, on Australia and Gatsby. And yeah, I'm pretty sure they did the didn't absolute... see their families for about six months on this How one. the fuck yeah. can you tell someone that? I, I can't. I need to sit down with Baz Luhrmann at some point in my life and just ask him, like, can I read one of your screenplays? I don't understand how they get from your head, if you see it that way when you're designing, how you get that onto the screen. The way think visually, we've all seen Baz Luhrmann work masterfully with with the visual and and sonically. I mean, everyone Moulin Rouge mm. is wonderful, and um, yes. what he's done visually though Moulin with Rouge all was of his a fucking work, assault to the senses. So this this pulls it back a little bit, and but you still so get the you, you still get the same style. Yeah, it, it doesn't detract. Like it's simply the perfect way to tell the story he's telling. I think you're right, and I, and I think like, a lot of people yeah. would have said because um, I might be one of the few people who I just love Baz Luhrmann. I think he's so original. I did like Great Gatsby. I'm not going to say I loved it, but I really, really appreciated it. And it worked for me. And I think Baz did something that only Baz can do. He can wow you with his spectacle. And about halfway through his films, you realize you're invested. And how did, mm. how did he do that? It's a magic trick. I was, I'm just, I was just thinking there, sorry, should I bluff my way through this conversation or should I admit it's on my should have seen that by now list for Gatsby? Sure. No, no, no. It's fine. I Honestly, <laughs> I don't think you would, I don't think a lot of people really, it was not received well. And I think he went a little too far for uh, maybe a mass audience with what you just said he did perfectly in this one. Now, yeah. it really helped that he was not able to make up his entire own um, soundtrack design. Like he was, it was dictated to him by the works of Elvis Presley and people who influenced Elvis Presley, um, which was enormous amounts of blues and uh, mm. black musicians from even, his time even and before. Took that and made it something else as well. Like, And he brought in just a touch of the hip hop. He brought in yep. some really wonderful new age influences on what people have done with, you know, what have contemporary artists done with those same influences? And, you know, it was really, the flair mm. was there. It is a Baz Luhrmann film, no doubt. But um, the way he... Let's just let's just talk really quickly because I don't think this is going to give anything away because it happened in the first 20 minutes and it might be what you're talking about. This might be my favorite reveal of a protagonist in in years. The way they covered, filmed the, for people, yeah. who, the way that literally camera angles and editing, the way they gently over the first 20 minutes of this film introduced you to a young Elvis Presley was fucking brilliant. By the yes, time you finally are looking at him head on, when he's at his first performance, which is in the trailer, they have built up a mythology around him. There's mm. the there's a there's a mystic like being they, on stage they by the cover time they get there. Everything and they cover everything in about twenty minutes, but it's it's absolutely not in order. It bounces around, which keeps you interested and it keeps you aware and it keeps you focused. Yeah, and I I feel like that was a really really good choice. The, uh, like I, I, I've just the note I've got here. It just says the editing and about eight exclamation marks. <laughs> the like, editing, unbelievable. Yeah. You're, no, you're totally right. You're right. And let's give it up for the editing a lot for that because in Moulin Rouge, Strictly Ballroom, Romeo and Juliet, all of these are very visually stimulating films. But I think more with this film than with those films, those films put a lot of that visual technique into the cinematography. Is that there with this one? Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Hmm. It's the design is incredible. And who filmed this? I believe it was Mandy Walker. Mandy Walker filmed Australia for him, Mulan, which we all thought the cinematography for Mulan was pretty kick-ass, even though we didn't love that movie as much. Um, but the editing and the way they brought visuals into this, literally the way they introduced them into the image, into the screen. 
it was it just the way he was telling this the arc of the scene, which was conceptual, the way you were just saying mm. it wasn't always linear, but literally the way within a second or five seconds, the way the screen would be cut into pieces, and you wouldn't even think of it as multiple images. It just felt like it was constantly bleeding. It was fluidly moving in and out of different time periods, different aesthetics, different. Yeah. It was nuts, man. Um, so let's just go from the beginning, I guess. And then mm. we'll move into spoilers because this is all over the trailer, but it still delivered. This is not one of those movies where you felt like, oh, the best moments are in the trailer. Yeah, you have seen nothing. Absolutely yeah. nothing. That kid, that gorgeous young man who plays him as a child in that um, flashback scene at the very beginning where it goes and he goes to that revival and discovers whatever. The That's spirit the thing I love as well. Music. Like, like they, they, don't, they don't sugarcoat the influence that like that music had on him and the fact that he was taking from that music to create or like in some points recording his own versions of those songs which he did like shamelessly I, which we can talk yeah. about <laughs> yeah um, and wasn't it, it was as, as i don't know like the reality but the movie portrays him as not resented for that it was like he was welcomed yeah and i don't know if a modern audience would agree with that i wish you know i wish we had a person of color on this podcast because I think that became a more popular argument recently to say, yeah, but he stole all this music and made tons more money on it. I don't know how it was received at the time. I don't know if, mm. you know, the George Gershwin yeah. thing, him. Um, so unfortunately, we just don't have that voice. And I don't know if we'll be able to ever say that objectively. Uh, but subjectively right now, I feel like that might be a little sensitive. And I wouldn't be super shocked if Baz Luhrmann in this movie got some backlash because of it. But what you're saying cinematically is totally right. There yes. is a wonderful contrasting montage when yeah. they fl- that is in within yeah. a flashback at the beginning of this, where he goes and peeks is into what is a kind of I, I would imagine it's a brothel. It's not just a bar, and there is a blues guitarist in there playing. Um, what's the name of that first song? Uh, That's all right. And he's yeah. playing this slow, bluesy version of That's All Right. And there's a little tidbits of this in the trailer. But what they don't show you in the trailer is that this montage goes back and forth because he almost simultaneously hears the music from this revival tent. And it starts going back and forth really quickly. And that, that's an oversimplification, but in a really interesting way between how he is being affected by the Hallelujah Choir get down that's happening in the tent and this slow, sexual, sensual, disgusting, dark brothel with no lights and sweat. And it's it's so interesting. And it's like both of those things, you know, if we're going to point to the essence of Elvis Presley, I think Baz took a risk and said, let's just, let's just cling to that as much as we can. And the rest of the movie is kind of dictated by that opening sequence. I feel, I feel like we should talk about one thing before we uh, get like move on to spoilers. And, and that is, you, like, we're talking about Baz a lot, but Elvis... Elvis. Yeah, I mean, the actor playing Elvis. Yeah, let's uh, let's Did give it, it up for him. Did it not? Uh, I think it fucking worked for me. I agree. I think it worked. I think like, Austin at, at Butler some point is this young yeah. man's name. Holy at, shit! <laughs> yeah, I'd be very surprised if he's not on an Oscar list. Um, he really simply for be. the the portrayal because, like, at at some point in the movie, I forgot I was watching an actor. Yeah, just like um, um. God damn it. Chad, uh, Chad's, uh, damn it. Who's Black Panther? Help me out here. Um, Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman did not get the nom that he, or did he get the nom for Get On Up? But I remember when I was watching that about James Brown just being like, who the fuck? No, what what the fuck is happening? And it's just like absolutely disappeared into this role. It's hard to do mm. that with these iconic people. You really do have to kind of lean into the fact that everyone knows who they look and sound like. So I have to play yeah. into that. And he did it. He did it shamelessly, but with and also he he does it through what five different time periods, yeah, six different time. Yeah. Periods. Like the makeup on this guy was amazing, and it was flawless. It was all the way to the end where they. I was waiting for them to show the heavy Elvis, and they eventually do. They put it off. It's yeah. not. They don't. That's not the front and center part of the story arc, um, which is good because hmm. if you're like me. I didn't realize Elvis died so young. I thought he was in his 50s. I did not realize he was fucking 42 years old. Yeah. That is crazy. And that's not a spoiler. Sorry, folks, if you didn't know that. But Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> you know Elvis died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not a spoiler. 
Yeah, um, no, it was, I mean, some people claim he didn't, but, you know, he's not working as a fry cook somewhere in, like, Roswell. So, no. Um, I I also want to touch on just quickly, like, the masterstroke of telling this story from the perspective of the colonel, almost like he starts the story. And it doesn't present one case or the other in the matter of the colonel just starts with him telling the story and then throughout the things he's saying where he thinks he's right like they've literally done the the classic definition of a villain in like writing a screenplay it's like it's a guy who thinks he's right but they've given him the the dominant voice so he's telling the story he d- he doesn't think he's an asshole he doesn't think he's doing anything wrong he thinks he's right he thinks he's done all these great things and they literally put all that in there and let you sit back and just get to hate him on your own and it, I thought it's it was It's really great. interesting. When you were saying that, it made me realize that Baz Luhrmann has told four stories now with a narrating voice. Romeo and Juliet, mm-hmm. you could argue, I think, that it is being narrated, like, you know, by the the chorus of, of the, yes. you know, with the Shakespeare, the prologue and epilogue. Um, Moulin Rouge is being narrated by Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, Great Gatsby is being narrated by Nick. And now this is being narrated by the Colonel. I don't think Australia was narrated, but there is something uh, it's about probably narrated the, uh, by some fucker. Some fucker, some Australian <laughs> Kent. Uh, <laughs> some Aussie Kent. Um, and there is a, you have to get over the, uh, Baz Luhrmann is very much, despite his crazy visual style, there is a very, very uh, simple let me tell you a story, kind of feel to his movies. Mm. We're, we're, we're raising the curtain, literally with Moulin Rouge. Like, you're here because I'm going to try to tell you this story. I don't want to yeah. overcomplicate it. Um, I'm going to tell you a story. It's not going to end well, but we're going to go yeah. on this journey together. It usually is a tragedy. He loves his yeah. tragedies. I will say for me, I don't think Tom Hanks was, he was my least favorite casting in this movie. And he's still a brilliant actor. And, like, you know, I don't want people to fucking hate on him. But it was just distracting casting. I just wish they would have picked somebody else just because I was, I couldn't help but think about Tom Hanks when I was watching it. Um, I got lost. He lo- like, I got lost. He was, sure. he got me. Good. Uh, Good. Mainly because I was so in on Elvis when they were playing opposite each other. It was like, your attention was still on Elvis. Cause it's like, what's he going to do with this guy? So like Tom, very in my like my experience with it, he drift almost drifted to the background in the Elvis parts because you can't outshine Elvis. But when he Good. was being a dick to Elvis, he drifted in the foreground, and it was like this is this is important. This is one time where he's like, yeah, it was it was good. It was good. I feel like if, to discuss any further, we should probably turn the spoiler alert on. Yeah, we'll turn the spoiler alert again. If you don't know the life of Elvis Presley and you're like me, <laughs> I guess that's on us, folks. We probably should have known more. But uh, yeah, we'll turn it on so we can talk about the details because this movie apparently does stay fairly true to what the big events of his life and career. So now we're in spoiler territory. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not going to lie. I'm not a huge Elvis fan. Like growing up, I, I you know, I everybody, you can't escape the appeal of what he did he's the you know he's the man the myth the legend changed the world for pop culture in the music scene especially for better or for worse and absolutely for worse uh black I... americans who were dictating a lot of the sound at that time and white musicians were taking it and recording it were not at the forefront so it did take you know people like elvis to really turn us on us uh, really turn the large community of you know white americans and then the rest of the world to rhythm and blues blues, funk, jazz, and all of that kind of, you know, this giant amalgam turned into what what white DJs started calling rock and roll. And uh, he gave birth to that. And I don't think you have to be fucking blind, deaf, and dumb. And even then, you might still fucking know who Elvis Presley is. So okay. I knew who I knew that much about him, and I knew all of his popular songs. But um, this was a this was a hypnotic experience going into the world of Elvis Presley within a movie like this. It was, it was addicting. What Baz Luhrmann, I think, does so well, and I, I want to ask you if you felt the same way. He's done it before, um, and I think he just gets better and better at it. He can make you feel and track over time 
why you love a song so much or why you can react viscerally to art so much. So like in his beginning performances, there is this little sequence of the beginning of women starting to scream. That really is all it is. It's mm. a screaming sequence. Like do we all know it's funny with the British invasion, Michael Jackson, Elvis Presley, these screaming girls, the boy bands nowadays, whatever. But he showed you like the birth of it. And he showed how these women were discovering it in themselves. And that was just, yeah, even that, that the a, very that simple sequence. essence of that. I was like, this is incredible. And like only a movie can do that. And he showed, but he also showed it to you from a con man's perspective. <laughs> yeah. Like you were yeah. analyzing it the way a con man would. And I, I thought that was an, an interesting twist on it as well. Like there's, there's no singular twist in anything that Baz does, I don't think. It's like, which I'm going to show you this thing, which is really clever, but I'm going to show it to you this way. Which is really, you're right, it's really gross and it's clever because all I did know about Elvis was that I, I didn't understand what happened to him. And I think we can mm. say that same sentence for all of the biggest pop yeah. stars. I didn't they all either. get I... eaten alive by that business, by people like the Colonel. They realize no this idea. guy is going to make me a lot of money. Yeah. And yeah, they just get taken advantage of. I never knew he didn't leave the States. I didn't know and that, any of that. That did. whole narrative about like security, security, security. I was like, oh my fucking God. Like, yeah, the world has not changed as much as we thought that. it had. I remember as a child thinking it was it was weird to me. I didn't know anything about the world or how the world worked or Elvis Presley, but I remember just the little bit I learned about his whole Vegas stint, just being like, why? Why Why did he go to Vegas and never leave? It just seems so weird. Yeah, I, I didn't know that happened. I thought he was doing concerts everywhere. And then we got to that one show and it, it's this beautifully edited sequence where he's doing the show of his fucking lifetime, having just gone through like the whole thing where he got sent off to the army and the movies and that starting to flop. And then he went and just did what he wanted to do. And he does this show and he puts his whole fucking soul into it. Meanwhile, his, his fucking manager, and I use that in inverted commas, is sitting in the audience doing a deal and signing his life away for five years against his will. Mm -hmm. And I, it, the, the way it bounced back and forwards between the energy happening on stage and I would only describe it as the sheer fucking evil and selfishness that's happening at that table. I was just like bounced back and forwards in like an unwilling volleyball match. It was really well done. And I, 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 I got to say, I loved it too. And, and I, I'll preface this by saying I felt bad for Elvis. I, I didn't, it's mm. not that I didn't feel for him, but I'm so happy. That was the redeeming thing for me that I needed. Um, because it was hard to watch this white guy steal this music from these black, like he was showing you that on purpose. And there's even this one sequence where the Colonel Tom Hanks, who's literally a carnival barker, he like runs carnivals. That's how he started making his money. He grew up in the carnival circuit and he brings Elvis into a carnival show at the very beginning, when he hears Elvis's record being played by somebody in the carnival, he's like, oh yeah, that the recording label only records uh, black artists. They use a different word that I'm not going to use on this podcast. Yeah, no, that, that doesn't out. fly here. Don't do that. Um, yeah, and uh, <laughs> and he's like, oh, but, but whatever. He's a, he's a black artist. It doesn't matter. And the guy listening to the record is like, no, he's white. And here comes the Baz Luhrmann, the close-up, the glittery music. He's white. And like a yeah, dream the, sequence begin, and you're like, the, well, no, the next thing is them all jumping in their cars and tearing off. And like, the guy next go. to me laughed out loud. He's white. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, we're going to make a lot of money. So it, what was redeeming to me is that this white guy, I don't think, Elv I think Elvis loved the black culture and loved the music. He, he loved it and he thought he was celebrating it. I don't think that community felt that way at the time, but it didn't matter whether or not they did. What was interesting to me cinematically was that Baz Luhrmann chose to show us that, and these more powerful white people are going to take advantage of you. Mm. They took him and exploited yeah. him. So it was just this sequence and exploitation all the way up to the top. Everybody was taking advantage of some, the, the most powerful, richest person was just eating the person below them. The colonel was indebted to some of the most powerful mafia members who ran casinos in Las Vegas, and they were exploiting him to exploit Elvis. To exploit, mm. but, you know, so it, it never yeah. ended. It was really gross. So I thought in one way it was kind of a a really good, anyone who knows anything about the history of the absolute fuck, fucked up of the music industry and how people are paid and not paid 
it's really disgusting. This was kind of a wonderful mm. way to kind of track the beginnings of it when they were when these record labels were starting to be bought out by larger record labels, and then the the record labels and the managers took basically all of the earnings from the artists. It was you know so anyway, it wasn't about that, but I thought that was I really mean, interesting yeah, as this, well. That was that was like this is like the best like expose of like the music industry I think I've seen since Josie and the Pussycats. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, to be honest, they, like, there are in jokes all the way through that movie. They really, and the whole thing is about them ripping off their music and putting marketing underneath it. And what does he do? The first thing he does fucking is basically merch. fucking invents merchandising. Invents merchandising. Dude, I was, my totally first right. thought was like, Oh shit. Is this where George Lucas got the idea? I mean, Look, quite it, possibly, it was, dude. Was, you got to make it snow. It was literally, the snowman. It was literally like the the scene in Spaceballs where like Yogurt starts showing him the, the merchandise, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. he's just pulling this shit out of the. And the the one that got me was when they pulled out the "I hate Elvis" badge, and his mother's like, "What the fuck?" And he's like, "Well, no, they're gonna some people are gonna hate him, so we may as well profit off that because what good's free hate?" Yeah, I was like. You, you're endorsing Dirty hate. motherfucker. Yeah, this, I mean, the snowman, he keeps calling I himself. Disagree you make it with snow. That. No, it was, uh, it was so true. And again, it made me think about Baz's fascination with the entertainer. Like a lot of his movies are about the showmanship of, of attracting people into this world of entertainment and distracting them and just fucking taking everything they have from them or yeah. the illusion of being wealthy and taking people's wealth. And he seems to be very or fascinated it's by like it. like that, that dream of that dream of fame and fortune comes with consequences. Always. It, every, and, as we touched on earlier, I every mean, one of his stories end in tragedy. None of these are <laughs> right. Seriously. This is, this is, it literally shows how tragically and completely things can go off the rails when you take your hands off the wheel and let others control you. I mean, it almost, it almost, it's almost really like he's trying to say, me, me too. I, it, oh, fuck. Jesus Christ. Dave and I are still upset. You know what? <laughs> fuck you, Scotus. You fucking piece of shit. You fuck, fuck you. you. God damn it. I'm still not done. God damn it. Uh, but yeah, it, it does. It does go to show you that like we all, it's not a fucking America. It's everybody. Everybody loves yeah. the, the rise, the story of the rise to the top. But you know what happens when you get to the top? Almost every single person has one direction to go, because mm. once you're up that high, I mean that fall from grace is just unbelievable. Which was uh, we'll get there in a little bit, but I do like how this movie ended. Um, so what what is shameless about everything we talked about, and it, it's so effective cinematically, is that he knew I can't talk about any of these things as a filmmaker and a storyteller if I don't. Give the people what they want. And the people are Dave and I and everybody else in the theater. The music performance sequences in this movie are a 10. They're mm-hmm. unbelievable. Yeah. His they're shows, they're incredible, dude. I mean, well, which one funny. was your like, favorite, we, we, dude? We made a, we made a joke uh, earlier um, when we were recording the Black Phone episode about uh, the actress in one particular scene there. And they're like, oh, have you got another one left in you? I'm pretty sure after like two takes, this guy had to go home. Because I mean, he was given everything, and everything, dude. Yeah, it was. I think. I think the my favorite one was. I mean, it's kind of hard. I'm, I'm caught in two minds because uh, not caught in a trap, caught in two minds. Um, because there was the one in the first show in the casino, mm-hmm. or the first show in the internet, the hotel. Yeah, so good. Um, but I also liked the way they set up. Well, I mean, it happened, but like the way the concert where there was a, a rally about that's my segregation favorite at the stadium yeah. going on and he heard it he's saying evil and then he just yeah. gives that Unbelievable, little that dude. little finger wiggle and it's just, it's just like yo shit that was the dude, hero dude, moment dude, dude. that was the hero moment <laughs> oh my god so yeah this... that was that one was probably my favorite me too i think and i think they all knew it was just it's so raucous the sound design he brings in like there's a shredding guitar that is clearly from his past, from the blues, that blues player of the past. So I feel like an asshole. Like, that's a famous blues musician. I can't remember his name. Um, I'll look it up while you're talking next. But uh, th- the way the sound design <laughs> came there, this editing going back and forth between a segregationist fucking rally that is happening like a couple miles away, the uh, segregated rope at the concert, 
that mm-hmm. is in, you know, imparted in his show and then just his inner conflict. So you have, this is filmmaking folks. This is how it works. This is how we just make up scenes. It seems it's not fun when you talk about it in a writer's room, but it works when you put it all together. You have external, external conflict that we're going to show. We're going to show black people on one side, white people on the other color, you know, people of color on one side, white people on the other. We're going to show you two different scenes going on at once. And we're also going to have a character who is being emotionally torn in two and pulled at all angles. And now we have an enormous amount of conflict that is coming to a head. And all of us are going to be waiting to see what our protagonist Which chooses to do yes. to take the story to the next place. And I was. I was on the edge of my recliner too, seat. Dude. I mean, we even like, knew it was coming. You know, we yeah. saw it. We know well, like, historically it happened. It's history. But the way they built this, it's like, it, even with the ending, it's it's like... You, it draw the whole thing drew you in completely. It's like if his insanity is repeating the same action and expecting a different result, this movie made me a little insane because I was rooting for him to win. I was rooting for him to go on and become the megastar he was heading to be, like he was, but like keep going and to get his international tour and all these things that I I knew didn't happen. Yeah, but they yeah. made me want him to have them. Yes, and I think that's. That's a beautiful thing. If you're rooting for your protagonist at that level, even though you know the truth and you know what's coming, like that's I mean, that's, that's genius. That is that's genius. That's it, right? That is the mark of when you're telling these stories. If you can get people to think yeah. they can, maybe we I've, can change history. Yeah, I've, I've forgotten <laughs> what actually happened while This is not a Tarantino film. movie. Yeah. In a Tarantino movie, the colonel would have been blasted away. Uh, I also, th- I thought it was in most of these sequences... It, it, he doesn't do it in a repetitive way. It's fresh every time. He does it a little bit differently each time. But I couldn't get over how effective um, the design was around. He would usually start the musical sequences in almost for Baz Luhrmann, almost a real time. Elvis would start singing and playing music, and the music would kick in, and you knew what song it was, and we're going. And by the end of the songs, it would dissolve into this. You often couldn't even hear him singing the words anymore. Sometimes it would go into slow motion or get really fast. And it just helped me as somebody who, I, I don't know, it wasn't, it wasn't for me, but how do you take somebody away from just a performance and mythologize them? Like in every way mm. possible, he took it to this level with filmmaking so that by the end of it, you were feeling almost what it felt like to remember that performance. Because if yeah. you were there... You know, just like anything else, yeah. you could tell this, the story of you being there is going to be even more powerful than watching him do that in real time. It's like just this, the constant, the storytelling, he has become such an epic folktale in America and the rest of the world mm. that with every performance, Baz upped the ante on the way he would display that. And I just couldn't get over it. Every time also, it was new. Yeah. I also love things that you wouldn't have seen, like after the curtain came down on that hotel mm. performance. And he sat there for a second. The first thing he did was got up and thanked everybody. Like he thanked the band. Yeah. And yeah. all of his, everyone who helped him get there. It was, it was such a gracious moment. And I was like, that's, that's the mark of a true performer. Like that's someone who's gracious to everyone that helped them. And that sort of thing. That's, that's a fucking megastar. And it, it just like, by this point, I'm already on board with this guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm wanting, I'm wanting this to go not the way it went, and I'm like actively rooting for it not to go the way it went. And then the fucking Doctor Nick character turns up, and you see Doctor Nick, and it, it's like this, this one struck me a little bit because of like the whole Michael Jackson thing, where they were like literally just injecting him. I had no idea they did the same thing to Elvis, mm-hmm. and I was like, what the fuck? Like, stop doing this, like. The show is good, but the show is not worth killing yourself over. Yeah. The only thing that matters is that that man gets on that stage yeah. tonight or whatever. The, yeah, line, yeah. the only thing that matters is I keep my unlimited line of credit is what he was actually saying. Yeah, fucking asshole. And then, yeah. of course, they, I'm glad they didn't touch on it all, but you just did. And like Michael Jackson married his daughter and you know, this, this whole, the whole tie in culturally mm. with these two gigantic, gigantic superstars who, Died for probably a similar reason from a from a you know from a wide gaze. The, the drugs weren't the same. The scenario yeah. wasn't the exact same. But two people who were just worked to death and probably probably didn't get to uh, have as much agency over their own destiny as they would have preferred. More than anything else, again, I was blown away by how young he. I just didn't know he was only forty two, and mm-hmm. I didn't realize that so much of his prime 
was lost to the fluff, the the TV specials, the Christmas specials, the sorry to say it, but shitty movies. I, I've seen a decent yeah. amount of those now, and they're terrible. Well, they even, they're, they're they even acknowledge that in the film a little bit. Like they're they're like, yeah, the movies went to shit because they just start stop spending money on them. Yeah, he said he was yeah. better than Brando, but you didn't want to see him. And yeah, I I I think Baz wanted you to think like he's saying that, but we all know that. Yeah, you know, ultimately, well, that was, that was, no, that was that was like the colonel's narrative of you people did this, not me. Yeah, I never did anything. And that, wrong. that yeah, came yeah, all the yeah. way through. Yeah, it was you people that killed him. Yeah, um, I just slapped him with an uh, million dollar lawsuit. Uh, yeah. Inside of all of this too, because we've already praised him just as a, in general, like the perform. When you think of Elvis, you think of the man on the on the stage, but I really dug his performances and his scenes with his family and. Lisa Marie yeah. too. Yeah. I, um, oh my god, Pris- Priscilla's thread was fucking tragic. Her story thread because she was the woman who was oh, like, yeah, "Excuse me, no, Priscilla. my bad, Jesus." You, yeah, it's like do do your thing, like be do what you want to do, do the thing that makes you happy. I don't care about any of the money, just do what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. And he did, and she was so happy for him. And yeah, then it all went to hell. I mean, I do think whether or not we like it, sometimes the colonel, the villains aren't just because their motivations are bad doesn't mean they can't see the truth. Mm. And at the end of that Vegas sequence, when all those women were kissing him and he said, I knew that his, you know, his love for her will never compare to his love for you. And he's talking to the audience. And yeah. And, you know, that is that's got to be true. Um so, all right. So again, we're, we're sitting here in our writer's room and we're talking about what comes next and we say, all right, their breakup scene. That was so refreshing to me that they gave yeah. it the weight it deserved, that it wasn't an anecdote from the Colonel's telling. And it we wasn't to dramatic. Stop. It either. was a scene. Yeah. I mean, I thought like, it was, I, I got pretty emotional. But I, in it, but I mean, it, yeah, I oh, know. No, I mean, I mean, it was, you it mean, was it wasn't dramatic. like screaming and yelling, it was, yeah, yeah. but it wasn't hyper dramatic it wasn't yeah. like a hyper like Get a big the fuck walk it wasn't the a scorsese fight. it wasn't a scorsese it was, casino it was goodbye still, yeah. it was a stop <laughs> yeah. it was literally a stop yeah they ground everything to a halt put those two on a staircase and went just just do it and you and could tell it was fucking gut-wrenching it was gut-wrenching dude it, it, you're right dude. i don't even know if there was any music happening it was it was so quiet and and still and graceland you're sitting on the steps and and I, again, God, we think about, Baz Luhrmann thought about these things. We're literally seeing a woman walk out of a door, out of his life, and he's sitting on a stairway that, mm-hmm. right, only goes up. Yeah. And I felt like as soon as he, he was, he was like wrapping his arms around her and you saw the jewelry and you saw the way they composed all these shots. They're, everything has intention. You saw all this stuff that was on him, all this the outfit. It's the middle of the day and he's dressed like Elvis. You know, he's dressed <laughs> in his like performance garb yeah. with all his fucking jewelry on but when she walked out of there, your heart broke because you knew that like he had just he had begun to lose himself. He had already with the drugs and everything, it had gotten really bad. But as soon as she left, he had totally lost control over his life. There was no chance yeah. he was gonna come back from that. His, yeah, and you're right. The fact that he away. didn't the fact that he didn't resent her for it in that scene. We'll never know if that's what actually happened. I don't think anybody's yeah. going to tell us that. But, but the way this scene played on film was was, it was incredibly, incredibly yeah. effective. It would have been way too easy for him to scream at her. You, you never believed in me. Well, you know, it would have been super cheesy and cheap to just have these two people scream at each other. Mm. Um, I also, again, thematically, I don't know if they literally said this, but I loved that every woman in his life, uh, in his performance life, screamed at him. Right, women scream at Elvis. I love that Priscilla never raised her voice at him ever. No. It was never about this crazy, dramatic, passionate. They're fighting behind the scenes. It seemed like she was a very calming presence I love in that, his life. I love that one scene that they showed where they're just going to bed, like he's brushing yeah. his teeth, <laughs> yeah. and they're going to bed. It's it reminds me of like the one thing I really enjoyed, like years and years ago about superman returns where they had lex luther walk out into the hallway brushing his teeth and it's like just it's something you don't expect from someone someone at this level yeah it, it just brought him down to a, like a human element it's like this is his life we all and it, take it shits kinda, we all brush our yeah. teeth yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and that, I, also, that was a really I, I i like that scene that was a really nice scene the extension of that for me was the very last scene of them together when they're in the car sitting in this limousine and oh god yeah and it was so revealing 
not revealing, but it was so telling that um, the intimacy was still there. It was so calm. And again, it was just quiet. It was just the two of them. And she's just, she's not begging him. It's not this crazy dramatic. She's just asking him, please, please go to this rehab center. Like, this is your last chance. Like, you know, yeah. the stake, she's, again, she's not yelling. And then she leaves and he gets on a plane and you realize outside of that limousine were hundreds of screaming fans. Yeah. <laughs> they were waiting to see him off on this airplane. And I was just, I thought that that is that fucker's life. Like Baz Luhrmann never missed a chance. You just have to imagine that sometimes when you're writing these things and designing, you're like, are we two on the nose here? Like, that's how you fucking tell visual mediums. Like, every chance was, you get, you yeah. contrast it with what's happening emotionally versus what's happening in reality. And it there was is just not so a single tragic. thing that's on the nose in this movie. This, this movie is brilliant. Yeah, I'm glad you that way, dude. Like, oh my God, see it, see it. Like, I don't see it in IMAX. You don't need to see it in IMAX. See it in Dolby Cinema if you can. Um, But even, I I imagine even in a normal theater with like the 5.1 or whatever they've got now nowadays. Uh, But yeah, the the fucking Dolby Cinema was amazingly mixed. I'm so jealous, So it's definitely worth it. Also, for just just for you know both of us, just for both of us, you know <laughs> no, what? We, and let's, is there uh, been a single buzz in this episode? I don't think you buzzed me for saying that. I don't, I, think, I don't I, think Tom was the best casting, but uh, yeah, I couldn't. I'm not gonna lie. I couldn't stop thinking of Christoph Waltz. I was like, God, I wish this was Christoph Waltz. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know yeah, why, but right, well, yeah, I think no, I would have no, forgotten about I'll him allow a little it. bit easier. I'll allow it. Um, I don't want to leave and I don't want to move on too far without praising because she is Baz and her have been together since the beginning. They're married. Catherine Martin is the production designer and costume designer. And she's been with him from the very first movie. That woman together, they have created the aesthetic of the Lerman thing. And it is just, it is singular. It is why they have this reputation of the Altera thing. And they've never let me down ever. Um, it's always unique and spectacular. And I thought she really outdid herself this time. It was, it never felt like it didn't actually exist, which is hard to say Mm. for a fantastical, um, presentation. Like that's kind of what they do. And yet I kind of felt like every place they took us, that's probably what it actually looked like. Do you know what I mean? Like it never felt like it was just for the sake of their style. It felt like it was always grounded in, no, that's probably what the international stage looked like. That's probably what um, the, um, the the Beale Street, the Handy House, the Handy Club. What was mm-hmm. the name of that club in uh, Memphis that BB uh, King and them played at? I can't remember. Unbelievable. But I felt like that was mm. like it was it was it was kind of the the dingy and the darker and the grittier places still had this this beauty to it. And she just, God, she does it every single time. And, and I'm just like such a huge fan. I, I mean, the cinematography paired up with it, but the energy coming out of those places. As well. It wasn't. Dude. It wasn't just the big concerts. Like the energy of some of the like the clubs on that street were amazing. But really, it was just really and truly, man. Yeah, I mean, I you can't feel... say it enough. Go and see this film. This Go is not what you film. think it is. This is this is something else, and it's so worth seeing. It's a Baz Luhrmann and Catherine Martin film, dude. Right? Mm. They always turn these things. And it's on something you really you want to see on the big screen. Be... So. If you're good with that, yeah. go and see it on the big screen for fuck's sake. Please don't watch this on a, on a teeny tiny screen. Do I think not you're going to be affected on your phone. By it. Don't go to those stupid fucking websites where you get free movies. That's not legal. Just want to say you're stealing from <laughs> artists. Um, yeah, go go and go and watch this at the movies. And you really you don't have to be a fan of Elvis. We'll just say that one more time. Like you don't yeah, have to. Yeah, because I wasn't love Elvis or whatever. Just I was not a fan of Elvis. I, I probably still won't listen to his music because this story is so fucking good. Yeah, and this really, film is compelling. so fucking good. I'm so yeah. glad you felt that way, man. I wasn't sure, wasn't sure if you were going to agree, but uh, he is drenched. Elvis Presley is absolutely drenched and soaked in sweat and pheromones yes. by the end of every one of his performances, <laughs> and you kind of feel like that by the end of this movie, um, which is what I want to end yeah. on. The Colonel's narrative dissolves, yes. and I could see some people having some issues with it that he we basically see him telling this story from his hospital bed on his deathbed, the entire movie. And then at the very end, his narrative kind of goes away when he basically says, so that's what people think I did to him. I still don't think I did that. And although Elvis had this tragic end, I did get to see him perform one last time and he gave it his all as he always does. And it just very 
very shamelessly goes into that final presentation of Unchained Melody that anyone who's ever heard him sing it and seen the YouTube video and that concert of him at the piano. And they basically just recreated very much how the Bohemian Rhapsody recreated that, that, uh, that concert. And it does a really fun thing where the actor playing Elvis is playing him. And then it just goes right into the footage and it's almost seamless of actual Elvis. So actual Elvis ends this movie. It was like, he's so good. I couldn't tell if they did that or not. (laughs) They did that and it fucking worked. And it was just like, I mean, your jaw is just on the ground. You might be crying. It is just unbelievable. A showman up to the very end. Uh, So this is, it's just going to take you on a fucking wild ride. I really, really recommend it. Mm. All right. We did it. We did it. Baz Lerman. God damn it. I love him so much. (laughs) Anyone who wants (laughs) to hear us praise Baz Lerman some more. We had a wonderful episode on his Romeo and Juliet at some point over the pandemic. If you want to go back and check that thing out. Yes, we did. The films of 96, I believe. I, I think it was. Or whenever yeah. the fuck it was. Yeah, that was a fun episode too. I can't remember All when right, that Dave, came out. I remember seeing you, it like uh, twice. I'm pretty sure it was 96 because I think that came out before Titanic. Um, anyway, uh, what have you been watching? Anything else that we didn't touch on in our last episode well, with the I'm Black still f- There seems to be a lot of Charmed. I'm still fucking watching that. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. But also I uh, finally got an Apple Plus uh, membership. And oh, one hey. of the first things... One of the first things we fired up, um, I'm I'm hanging on Severance. I'm gonna I'm going to that next, but one of the first things we fired up was Brigadoon. Uh, sorry, Schmigadoon. Schmigadoon. Oh, dude. The uh, I... and we we watched it and it was just fucking hilarious and cheesy and fun. And is that Charlie Day and Rob McElhenney? Is that not their show? Schmigadoon? No, that's yeah. this is the the one where they're trapped in the town. Um, and they can't leave until they find true love. Dude, I haven't even heard of or seen this one yet. Yeah, it's it's entirely a musical. Like they, oh, wow. the town, the town bursts into musicals, and there's two people in the town who are like, "What the fuck is going on?" So it's Brigadoon, they, they, yeah, but with it's, the it's, uh, yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. But it's it's got like Alan Cumming in it, uh, Christian Chenoweth's in it, um, someone you may recognize who won an Oscar for best supporting actress last year is in it. Are you? Oh wow! Yeah, she's she's okay. there. Uh, and uh, who else is like Dove Cameron's in it? Every, like, everyone's everyone's in it. It's yeah. it's really really good. A um, little bit, I don't know the little bit serious on the relationship aspect of it between the two protagonists. But when it goes in the musical, it's absolutely ridiculous and fun. Um, wow. And also, I caught uh, I've started watching the new season of Umbrella Academy. Oh, cool, man! Yeah, I saw that come on uh, my Netflix the other day. I yeah, thought, I bet Dave is watching this. Well, I no, I was I was curious for several reasons. Um, because like they left it with the the introduction of the Sparrow Academy, which are the other like the kids he adopted instead of them because they fucked with the timeline by this point, and also um, they now have Elliot Page, and I was like, what are they going to do with this character? And they actually went to the point of bringing in a transgender writer who wrote a very well-known uh, like book on transitioning and got them to work with the writers. And the way they write the transition uh, for the Vanya character into Victor is just fucking beautiful and amazing. It's oh, great. Wow. They it's, do the and whole also, transition. And also funny. Like it, it happens in one episode. And wow. it's, it's, it's so refreshingly funny because it's yeah it, it's beautifully written is what i'm saying good um, man it, that's cool it, it, yeah good for them. so uh and also it's the series itself is good fun because like i enjoyed they the exper- first season I yeah they experienced something they haven't experienced before they get their ass kicked in the first episode so oh nice <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun nice dude yeah tune I into am, that uh... quick before netflix panic cancels it oh no really you think they, they might oh they're doing that to everything like, yeah, they are really shutting yeah. down a bunch of stuff right now. Well, yeah, they, they're starting to lose subscribers, so they just laid off like 300 people. So quick, watch all the Netflix stuff. Funny how keep. that happens. Everybody go and do that. Yeah. raise your prices too much and people stop subscribing to you. Right, Isn't yeah. Isn't that interesting? That it's, it's, uh, I mean, if I, if I wasn't getting it free through my phone deal, it'd seem to be the same price as my HBO Max. Which is, yeah. Yeah. You can't, I mean, eventually 
Come on, folks. We're heading back to a bundle situation, just like old cable. Like, don't make us do that. Make it affordable. <laughs> well, the one thing I do, I like, I think I've said this before with um, like Apple TV. If you have an Apple TV or an Apple, like that sort of thing, if you go down a couple of levels, you can actually buy individual channels for like $9.99 a month and mm. you can just cancel it and then rent it again when something's on you want to watch. So they're actually, Apple is actually leaning into the churn where you can, if something's on a, on a channel you want to watch, you rent that channel for a month. And then that's you brilliant. can rent something else for a month. And yeah, I, that's how we had uh, AMC Plus for a while and then we didn't need it anymore, so we canceled that. We got something else. That's cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah, no, if you yeah go down a couple of levels, there's all these TV channels. Amazon's doing it as well now. Uh, but you can actually rent individual. You can rent individual TV channels. Thank you for telling like me that. I streaming had no idea. Services. That's a really good idea. I'm not sponsored um, by anyone. We can fix no, that yeah, if anyone that wants to contact us. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I am still watching the Formula One, so I'm sure I'm going to be oh. watching some other things too. And there's a few movies coming out that I'm excited to see. Mm. Um, yeah, that's what's happening here. Good talk. Cool. Elvis was fucking great. So glad yeah, you it loved it. Fucking great. Awesome. All right, film fans, have a. Uh, we doubled up with our recording this week, so enjoy your 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 fourth, where we celebrate the history of America, which you should be very ashamed of the history right now because fuck SCOTUS, <laughs> fuck them, god damn it, Jesus fucking Christ, I'm still not over it, but I'm we're gonna keep talking about movies <laughs> until the next time. Enjoy yourself, keep loving movies, and we'll see you soon.